Say this. I stand on the rock of Jesus. I am unshakable through his word, through his spirit, through his presence. I am victorious in all things. God is for me. Nothing can touch me. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a shout. Amen. The word. You may be seated. I was just kidding. You don't have to stand up the whole time, but I'm going to come in here. Your guest this morning, name is Pastor Rich and uh, lead pastor here. And you come again at a great time. We're in our 12 um, week series, Unshakables. And today is going to be Unshakable Surrender. Unshakable Surrender. And we're going to actually talk about uh, who Christ is and how we respond to him. And basically, how should we live? We're going to unpack those three questions today in this, in this lesson. So I really want you to take notes. I call this a pivotal um, script, uh, lesson here because when you get this down, the rest of the series is going to be amazing. And I want you to open up your hearts to hear Jesus. Not my voice, but hear Jesus' voice about where those things, God, where you, what, what do you want me to be at? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live from this day forward? How much influence do you really have over my life? And we all have to take that time. I love this series. Take that time and discover where we are with God. And, he, and I don't judge myself by other people. I judge it by Christ, where he's in my life. So let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I ask God that you will open our hearts to who you truly are so we know how we shall respond and, most of all, how we should live. I ask right now by your Holy Spirit, teach us all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the Bible, we see that Jesus had a three-year ministry. He's 30 years old, and he went into ministry. And he, he actually picked up 12 disciples that went with him. And the disciples followed Jesus because they sent some. He was someone special. And about the year two, he uh, took them to a little faraway place. Some of the writers say a year two, some say a year and a half. And he asked them a question. He said, who does people say I am? And uh, some of the guys said, well, you're John the Baptist, Jeremiah, Elijah. You're a great prophet. But then he said this, who do you say I am? And then they got quiet because they had to think. We've been walking with this guy for how long? He said fed 5,000, and now he's asking us who we are, who he is. Um, and I can hear it. Probably the tension in the room was like, someone say something. Well, Peter, I love Peter because he just steps out there. This time he stepped out with the Holy Spirit. So you are the Christ, son of God. He says, upon that confession, Peter, I'm going to build my church. Upon that rock-solid confession that you are the Christ, I'm going to build that church, and the gates of hell will never prevail. And that gave them, and Peter didn't understand, called him the rock. You didn't understand, it wasn't built around Peter. It's upon that confession of faith. And that's where that solid was built about how that's going to come to pass. And what it is, Jesus is asking us all today, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Not what Pastor Rich says, what do you say? Who do you say I am? Uh, and then when we know who he is, it influences how we will respond to him. And then when we know that, we'll know how to live our lives. How many want to know how to live fully in Christ? And that's what it's about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So the first question is, if you write, uh, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? 
Remember, as a Lutheran growing up, I knew about them, didn't know them. I knew a great book. I knew how to do communion. I knew how to play basketball, but I didn't know them. Even recite the Apostles' Creed is how you got confirmed in the church. Didn't know him. So I, I thought he was a great guy, did great things. If you pray, he'll give you everything you want. That's what I thought. Well, same thing with us. Who is he to you? And Peter, after having a great sermon in Acts chapter 2, the one who rejected Jesus and came back, became the leader that Jesus said he was going to become. He's going to be the rock. He became the foundation of that church that was started. Started doing the book of Joel and gave, Joel, Joel and gave a whole sermon. Got down about how Jesus died. He rose up. He sits on the right hand of God the Father. He's exalted on the right hand of power and authority. Then he gets down to verse 36 in chapter, Acts chapter 2. He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain. Do you know for certain who Jesus is? That God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. So what's the answer? Who is Jesus? He's both master and Savior. That word Lord means kiros. Kiros means master, owner, ruler. Why? Due to his resurrection and due to his exaltation. He's lifted up. He is our master and Savior. The Messiah, Savior. He is our master and Savior. More than just a savior. Master means he's in charge. Now, prior to all of us walking with Jesus, who was in charge? We were the masters of our faith and the masters of our own soul. And then we accepted Christ, and now he wants to be first place. He wants to be master and the savior of our lives. Does not want you to flip it. He's a savior when you give your life, but when you give your life after that, he becomes Lord. So every decision we make is going to be run by the master. If the master says no, guess what? If you're married, your wife says it's not a good idea, what do you do, man? What do you do, man? What do you do, man? Oh, y'all are cowards. You do it anyway. No. Don't put that on the tape. My wife ain't here. You don't. Do it. Jesus wants us to build a life all for him. So he's master. So when you know that, then the next question is, if I know he's master and savior of my life, what is my response to him? How should I respond to Christ if he's my master? Because how you, how you view him is how you'll respond. If he's not master at all, if he's not Lord of all, he's, Lord, he's not Lord at all. So when we look at people's responses, we can't blame the person. We got to look at their relationship with Jesus. If he's Lord, if he's master, you won't want to do the things the Father says to do. And you'll have an attitude of him. So you'll love people because Jesus loves people, even people we don't like. So when you look at that, what's my response? Paul, Apostle Paul was great. If you look at the epistles, get to study those. 
He had in Colossians, which is an amazing book. It elevates Christ in such an amazing light. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. It says, therefore, you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, the Lord. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The word walk in him means to live under his lordship. That's the next point, to live under his lordship. What are you talking about, Pastor Rich? Because it's, not, it's more than a decision. It is a relationship. A lot of us think, if I give my life to Christ, I have finally arrived. I have fire insurance. I'm, I'm, I've made it. It's the end. No, it's not the end. It's just the beginning of a new life. It's just the beginning of a new life. It's like you're being born again, and you're a baby. And you got to learn to grow up to a full-fledged adult. And there's steps he tells you. That's what we celebrate baptisms. If you've never been baptized and you have an excuse why, is he master or is he savior? What's so hard about it? If the master says, next, baptism, I believe him. I do it. I got sprinkled twice. It's a baby. And then as, again, as a, as a teenager. Then I decided, I didn't know what that meant. So I decided East China Sea and Okinawa, Japan, in the middle of February, it was cold. And no one wanted to hug me when I came out of the water. I don't know why. But I wanted to go all in with Christ. I wanted to give him everything. So I live under his lordship, being rooted and built up. You see that foundational talk you're hearing about building a house, building a temple of the Lord? I'm a temple, building that, building all that, being established in the faith, being established, being strong in that faith. We need to have strength in the faith. That's what we learn when we take mission trips. We grow. We think we grow. We have zero money, and they want $1,237. Now, I have no money. I need faith. I got a Bible, got $25, got a passport. And guess what? You got a trip. Because God does that. That's what he does. His mission. God has a mission. It's called his church. So you look on his lordship. I love what Adam Mabry, our pastor out of Boston, says. The lordship of Jesus is greater than you know, different than you think, and better than you can ever imagine. Walking with Jesus is better than I ever imagined. It's never, he never does, th- does the things I think. You know that scripture in Matthew chapter 6, pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we, like, we party on that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Doesn't that just cross your feelings some days? Like, I don't want your will to be done. Can you use someone else? Oh, y'all wake up perfect. I'm in God's will. And you're lying because it don't hurt. It hurts. Right? It cuts across my feelings and my attitude about what I really want to do. That's why he says, pray it daily. Pray it daily. Under his lordship. <laughs> so when you know that, and again, it's greater than you know because we're doing something greater than ourselves. So when you know 
you know, response to him. The next thing is, how should that we live? And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. In Luke chapter 14, 25 to 33, Jesus is coming and he's, he's walking. He has a crowd and he's going to talk, say something profound to this crowd, which is actually going to thin the crowd out. Because um, when you're walking with Christ, it's a narrow door. It gets narrower as you go up. So you can squeeze all the stuff that you think is important out. He goes there and starts in verse 25, 33. Now, a great crowd accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother, his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. Now, I want to explain this to you because some people, he's telling us to hate our parents. No, he's talking about what is the principle called the first loyalty principle. He's talking to an audience who value family above everything else. And he said, you have the love of me above your family. Now, we don't experience much of that. If we, if we give our life to Jesus, sometime our uncle won't talk to us or he won't come over to the house. Now, we were able to live in Okinawa, Japan. When they gave their life to Jesus, their family walked away from them. All the support, all the love, they're not allowed in the house any longer. The only house they're allowed to, they got to get their own house, and then the church has to support them. That's what he's talking about. These people, when you look at the book of, in the book of Acts, the book of Acts, the, the uh, Jerusalem church was the cheapest, was the uh, broke his church because when they gave their life to Jesus, everyone walked away from them. That means finances, support, and everything else. The church became that for them. So when he said this, this is real because they're thinking, oh my gosh, if mom says something that's against what Jesus says, Jesus wins. What a check valve. He says this, even your own life. He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He said it again. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it all, who see it began to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going into the encounter with another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while he's other is yet a way off, great way off, he sends a delegation, asks them for terms of peace, asks for terms of peace. So therefore, this is a strong one here. Any one of you who does not renounce, everyone say all, all. that he has, cannot become my disciple. He didn't say some, he said all. When you look at the scripture, some words I want to point out to you in the, as we go through this. The first one is when he talks about your family, hating them, I mean loving them, loving God above your family. Talking about worship. Don't worship your family. Don't worship those things. Worship me. A lot of times we have a worship problem because we put things higher than we put God. Come on, somebody. We can, we can be in caught up worshiping a church. Or worship, if I'm, I'm a part of every nation, a big, I can get caught up worshiping every nation versus the Christ who created it. Make sense? What it is, the essence of discipleship is giving God first, Christ first place in everything. It's called the first loyalty principle. Loyalty, I tell you today, is missing. It's missing. And he calls for that. He is above all. So you love him above all. 
so you don't get caught up in loving something that can't fulfill you. Come on, somebody. You can't fulfill you. You put all these people, they, um, they put all the eggs in one basket about this person or that person, that thing, and when it fails them, they crash versus the one who won't. So I ask you, don't put me up there. Please don't do that. I will disappoint you. I'm guaranteed to disappoint you the first 30 days you meet me. I'm trying to make it faster so you know if you want to stay here or not. <laughs> don't, I mean, it's honorable. Yeah, I'm a pastor. It's honorable. Honor is given. Respect is earned. It takes me a long while to try to earn that. And I ain't perfect. But the one I'm trying to follow is, and we shouldn't do that to one another. Shouldn't do that to your marriage. She's, you know, I used to sing them songs in Motown. She's my everything. No, she's not. No, she's not. My wife said, you were my, you're not my everything. After a week after honeymoon. Whoa. Wow. Because the only decision we made, listen to me, the only decision we made when we decided to get married was, am I willing to spend the rest of my life with her? That nothing else. Didn't care what she didn't do, what she did do. Are we willing to put our lives together for the rest of our lives? I made it simple. And it made it simple. Just laid it out. And if we couldn't answer that question, we would have separated. We would have never got married. But I wanted to keep it simple. Because if I get too big all into this thing about what I love about you, it's great. But you can only know each other until you get together. That's when the fun really starts. No one's laughing. What Jesus is saying, he becomes the ultimate love and the focus of our lives. The focus of our lives. Can't worship things. And that's what we do now. We worship things. Worship the animals. We worship this. No one worship the true God. We're off. Animals die. Fads die. People will let you down. The government will let you down. And everyone's caught up because they put all their hope and all, and they're worshiping. They worship it. And when it falls apart, they're mad and upset versus the one who never falls apart, who never leaves you or forsakes you, who's always there all the time, 24 hours, seven days a week. His name is Jesus. (laughs) And you have to stay focused on that. I got to see Christ in everything. So worship is very important. Is he the ultimate love and focus of your life? Next thing he got into is count the costs if you're taking notes. Verses 27 to 32, he said cross-bearing, pick up your cross every day daily and die, basically, uh, and count the costs. Now, I wrote this down. Cost means bearing our cross. The cost means bearing our cross. Because what it does, when I put, pick up my cross, like somebody, and somebody had to help Jesus up, it's such a burden, right? But, it also put to death all other masters and messiahs that we have in our lives. All my preferences when I'm carrying a cross are gone. What I think, it doesn't matter because he thinks higher than my, my way. I pick that up. And then he tells me to go this way. Go where there's suffering and trials and rejection. Really? I thought, you know, we get born again and everything's perfect. No, that's where I went. So what, why don't you go where I go? And on the way, as you're going through the door, you're going to get rid of that attitude. You're going to get rid of that pride. You're going to get rid of all that. And it's going to squeeze you. And, you're, and you can't do anything. Because if you want to be like me or not, are you counting the cost? I told us to Josh, we had our planning meeting. We're switching our core values. 
around. We're going to put diversity first. I didn't know how much friction we get from diversity. I thought devotion was tough, but we can't even get through diversity. It's crazy. We have, I mean, oh my gosh, everyone says, I like multi-generational. I like multi-ethnic. I like multicultural. I like it until you have to live in it. And I was like, I don't, I don't like them. How come they don't act like me? Because they're from Chicago. And you're from Alabama. Then you got to hit your pride. Because then we have age, then we have education levels. You know what that is, right? I got, a, I got this degree. They don't have one. They can't send nothing to me. So I told Josh, we're going to switch it because we got to get through that. They're gonna, people in here are going to hack you off, on, not even trying. That's what we do. We're good at it. Jesus isn't, but he put us together. Makes sense? We're all different. And I can't be like John. John can't be like me. I don't want him to be like me. I want Christian to be like me. I want him to be Christian so I can celebrate Christian. Now, he has a different view of life than I do, but the one thing I love about Christian, the brother loves jazz. <laughs> I was listening to Phil Collins the other day. He said, Pastor Rich, you like, you like Phil Collins? I said, yeah, now we have something we can talk about. <laughs> Phil Collins, y'all saying, who is Phil Collins? Y'all need to get saved. That's it. He don't look like me. I got a better hairstyle. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. Count the cost. Can I be real with you? Let me be real with you. It cost me to, to run this church. It cost me to stay in this church. First year I came to this church, I said, why do you go to an all-white church? And I got thrown out of a black church. But the grace of God, because I live here long enough, I get to go back. It costs. Do I wear that as a badge? No. It's for the calling, man. It's for the calling. I have some amazing friends here. I got some amazing contacts in Abilene, Texas. That's kingdom contacts. Because I have decided, it, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it to be misunderstood. It is worth it. So some days do I feel like it? No. But most of the days, I know Jesus did it, wants me to do it, and he continues to refine me and my, and my soul every day. That's what it's about. You're here long enough to be formed. I mean, how do you, I mean I'm the fourth guy here. I'm amazed by it all the time. And everywhere I go, they tell a story. He was the guy who dropped water, a bottle. I bring this up every week, and I know some of y'all here long enough to be it. And I give this to Pastor Jeff. And I went to his big church, and guess what? I saw another African-American ball-headed guy getting the water and getting that. I told him, you're the next pastor. He said, what are you doing? I said, don't, you won't understand. It'll happen, Okay. It happened, man. Like deja vu. Why? Because the kingdom should be celebrated. But it costs, guys. 
And we know it. Today, for people to give their life to Jesus, it costs. And you, no one will understand the cost unless you share with them. But you don't do it as a badge. You help them when they get caught up on the minor stuff. Pastor Richard talked the minor stuff. When they have programs, I'm starting to get invited back somewhere now. But rejection is tough. That's what Jesus leads us into rejection. But I have a new set of friends. So you're not the normal. I can't tell you the rest of that secret. I said, good. I work hard to be that way. And what leads me to the reason why I'm telling you this, because you got to renounce everything, which is the last one. We got to totally surrender everything. We got to surrender everything. Verse 33 says, Lest you renounce means unless you forsake everything. Forsake everything. And what it is, the essence of discipleship is to place all things in God's hands. Everything. My titles, my everything in God's hand. And I'm and you look at the Old Testament. I am just the clay, and he molds any way he desires. And when there's an imperfection, he'll slam it back down again and rebuild it. And it says, who am I as the clay to tell the mold of what's going on? But you got to surrender. Everything. Everything. He says, renounce all. I'll give you a perfect picture of that. I spent 23 years in the military. Jumped out of airplanes. Got more awards, more trophies, more everything. I walked with the big guys. I was amazing to, to them. So, you retire. They give you a certificate. And then you go for your first job. I jumped out of airplanes. Now you're going to go low boxes now. Who cares? Who cares? Guess where all my trophies and stuff is? In the garage. Right. Now, my guys, some of my guys get out, they don't make it because they try to take that with them. No one cares. All they care about is the man. So I had to walk in humility, even though my supervisor knew nothing. But my job was to make her look good. Do you hear me? My job is to make them look good. Not to share what I, when they asked me a question, then I answered it. What is that? Humility, which I'm learning how to do it better and better every day. So I, that's why I gave us the word others, because I'm doing a whole Bible study on myself on Humility. Is it about others or is it about me? And the very sign of surrender for us is obedience. Or you're obeying God. See, when we can take it back, well, I don't have time. Well, it's not really your time. It's actually your focus. So if your focus on Christ is just blah, everything else around is going to be blah. Making sense? So I don't have to attack the... the, um, Behavior, it all comes back to where you think who Christ is. Is he master? So if he's master, he's in charge. So you have to submit to who's in charge. I was telling someone last week, I said, you got, there's only a couple people I know who's been in one company forever, and I can tell that they love it, and everyone comes and goes all the time. And I saw the differences. They learn how to submit to authority, but even even that, they already know that God called them there, so it doesn't matter what happens. 
And in the long run, they're going to get a great retirement. And other ones are going to be still searching around. And you'll find working at McDonald's. Don't know where that came from. Here's a question when you talk about total surrender, which God hit me with this. It's not about how little or how much you give to God. How much does God deserve? How much does he deserve? Because he what? Gave. So who am I not to? Who am I to put limits on that? Who am I to have stand up? Hey, God, I have right. Oh, no, I don't. I got a privilege. Man, I, I got. Uh, no, not really. Now, I'm not stupid. And I'm not acting like I have no brains. I just want to hear from the father. And most of the time, guys, the father cuts my feelings all up. <laughs> Because he's so interested in what's inside, not outside. Now, he'll use outside to cut me up inside. But he's really about, he's really about my character versus my function. Can I get an amen? See, as we be, make Christ the master of our lives, our lives continue to be built on the unshakable foundation of who he is and what he's done. I don't have to create it. Jesus died on the cross for us, right, risen and exalted. He sits on the right hand of the power and authority of God. He's the master. He knows what he's doing. So I know when I'm walking with him, I know how to keep my worship strong. Even when I don't feel, listen to me, even when I don't feel like worshiping, guys, even when I don't feel like worshiping, that means I'm honoring that which is versus over God. I'm making that issue circumstance. I'm worshiping this circumstance, and I won't worship God. That means that circumstance became bigger than Christ. And that's my attitude. Well, I don't feel like it. Oh, is this thing, are you going to nurse this forever? Or are you going to go to one who will remove this? And most of it is removing you. I love discipleship. It's all about me getting changed so I can help others. Like my mom used to say, I went home. Um, mom, um, school man, they don't know what they're doing. Teacher, she's so disorganized. She said, Little Richard, what are you doing to make it better? That's why I wrote my congressman just a little while ago. I already know what's wrong. What are you guys doing to make it better? I haven't got an answer yet. Because I'm called to act. Name with a story. Great um, Douglas MacArthur, MacArthur, General Douglas MacArthur, MacArthur was, um, he was, um, going to meet with a Japanese general. They call him peace after World War II, I believe. And John, I have to use you again, sir. PJ, I mean. Pastor John. And um, he met the Japanese general. Came up to the Japanese general, came out to shake his hand. And MacArthur said, sir, I, can't, I cannot shake your hand until you release your sword. And give me your sword. 
We can't be friends unless you relinquish, relinquish your sword. And a lot of times God showed me through that. We want God to shake our hands. We want God to bless us. But we want to hold the sword of our will in our hand. We don't want to release that so he can shake. We can be in fellowship with him. But I can't be in fellowship with him if I'm still holding it. I can't get thy will be done. Can't, there's no exchange. So whenever that will is still there, there's no fellowship. It's like dead. And you hear people all the time, I feel so dead. What's in your hand? What is in your hand? You want to be right? Get that out your hand. We're all wrong. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. Every one of us is wrong. I'm wrong all the time. But what's more important, the fellowship or my sword? And you can, you can put my job, my ego, my status, And you want, he said, I can't do anything until you release the sword. There's no fellowship unless you release it. Stop trying to work your issue. Let God do it. When you're holding on to it, I'm, I'm working it. I'm working it. Keep working. There's no fellowship because he's a gentleman. That's why when Jesus says something, it shouldn't be hard to do. Listen to me. We shouldn't make up excuses on why we can't do it. Because if it is, if he's Lord, love what Elder Terry says. If he's Lord and he says in his word, I love his Bible study. No one comes back because they're like, he gave me the truth. They keep coming back because they want to hear the truth. If it's the word of God, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to release our will? If he said so. If he says, love your enemies, why is that so hard? He says, forgive. Why is that so hard? Because we made it hard. Because that sword becomes part of our lives. That's why I'm studying about being humble. Relinquishing everything I think I should be or do. Because I want this church to be led by Jesus. Not by me. Not my personality. None of that. I see got big dreams. I see big dreams for this place. But the only one that can bring them to pass is Jesus. And he has a way of doing stuff. Because you'll get caught up like I was a few months ago. I was battling God for something and, and, and trying to hold on to something that was going to kill me. And I went back repenting. I said, God, thank you for not. <laughs> thank you. For not letting me hold this because it would destroy me later on. That's the conversations I want to have. I have all the time. That's what discipleship is. Getting small groups. I mean life groups. And learn the Bible together. That's what they did. 3,000 people got saved off that sermon and they all got life groups. And well, I value my time, Rich. I value my family. I value, I value, I value. But you don't value Jesus? Come on, somebody. That's real. Because we have the sword of our own will. What sword are you holding? 
that you refuse to let go. Mine was pride. Keep. Mine's my anger. It gets the best of me sometimes. And I quit. I told Lord when I got home this week, and I said, and I talked to one of my. I said, I'm not. I'm done. I'm done with that. You're gonna think. I'm, my, my first bishop told me, "You mean act like a dead man? I'm gonna act like a dead man. Because dead men don't get affected by anything. Because he's dead. When I'm dead in Christ, I'm not gonna be affected by anything." Because if I'm affected by it, that means the world out here can't be delivered from it. And what we see outside, guys, is people who don't relinquish their rights. And and if I'm a Democrat or if I'm a Republican, we all have these swords. And we're slashing each other up. And then we get into the church where Jesus says, do something, and we're slashing Jesus up. Because I have something to say, brother. You the clay. Shut up. That's me. Not you. I'm not telling you to shut up. I'm the clay. Where I get all this? Read my Bible. So it reads me. I've been more in this Bible because I see the times are coming that we need to help people get out of this stuff. Ms. Donna went, um, we'll talk about next week, the kids that in camp, kids camp. Third, second and third graders dealing with adult issues. My mom and dad are divorced. But if I act better in front of God, they'll come back because it's my fault. See, our own selfishness destroys our children. What do you do with that? If, not, if it's not fixed by then, they grow up to be teenagers, they grow up to be college students, they grow up to be adults who will repeat the same thing. If you feel the burden of your cross, I don't have time to deal with my own stuff. I got to help everyone else. I put my cross on to check myself every single day. That's what it is. What are you holding? Every eye closed, every head bowed. What are you holding? Thank you. What is stopping you from going all in, counting the cost, worship? Is the circumstance that you refuse to let go that's got a hold of you? Just take a moment. God knows your thoughts. Here's the greatest thing about it. He did all the work. He's just asking us, like he said originally, all who come to me, we got to go to him for everything. Got to go to him to everything. Because he is my everything. That's what discipleship is. worship count the cost and totally surrender my life to you God you're bigger than a bad diagnosis you're bigger than so much help me to see you in a bigger light dropping this thing 
dropping my sword at your feet. I drop it. Father, I pick up your presence. I repent. I turn from one way to another. Again, how simple that is. But it's so dynamic. Forgive me trying to hold on to things you don't want me to hold on to. Trying to work things you don't want me to work. You gave us a simple command. You said, follow me. Let's not make that complicated by following you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap.